Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of our Ivy NBA podcast series. My name is Lindsay Littman. I'm part of the full-time MBA recruiting and admissions team here at the Ivy Business School. Today's podcast I'm very excited about. I've got a few of our current students who are going to share with us a bit of their, their non-traditional backgrounds and the decision to pursue an MBA. This is an area our team receives a lot of questions around, focused on, should I do an MBA? Can I do an MBA? I don't have a typical background. Is it tougher in a one-year program? So I think it's best to hear from those who are living that experience firsthand, to hear if they had some of those concerns, if they felt um, any hesitation, and to hear how it's going so far in the program. So let's get started, and uh, let's talk about our current students, their backgrounds, and here's some advice they might have for any, anyone tuning in today. Maria, let's start with you, if you don't mind, maybe sharing a bit about your, your background, where you were before Ivy, and uh, and then we'll introduce the rest of the panelists. Sure, thank you, Lindsay, for the introduction. So my name is Maria. I'm originally from Kharkiv, Ukraine, and I recently came to Canada. Uh, I have finished medical university and residency in pediatrics, and uh, later I pivoted into the business industry. I was working combining full-time and part-time job. I was working part-time as a healthcare technician doing medical checkup on drivers in a trucking company, but my full-time job was related to being a personal assistant to the owner of hospitality business, was a big hotel and restaurant complex, and I think I, to summarize, I would mostly involved into operations and strategy decisions there. Awesome. Now, that's definitely not a traditional business background. So uh, you made quite a transition coming over to Ivy. So lucky to have you. Ryan, you're next. Oh, she set the bar too high on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ryan, I was an environmental consultant. So I specialize in the environmental science area pretty much my whole life. Uh, I started working to remediation and contamination. So I would do mostly the field work. I'd go to sites, mostly for commercial real estate. Uh, we would determine whether the soil, groundwater, or air is of quality for human health standards and help the banks to decipher their risk tolerance. Uh, overall, I kind of leveraged away from that because I just felt like there was not too much career advancements uh, in the industry. So I started to pivot towards an MBA. And on top of that, I just enjoyed finance and business and wanted to do a little bit more with my time. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, it's having a science background is so kind of a common candidate profile that brings us questions around whether an MBA is feasible or not for them. So looking forward to hearing more from you later. And last but not least, Renee. Yeah, so similar to somewhere between Ryan and Maria, I have a mixed interest. And so for education wise, my background is in biochemistry and I've done continuing education in clinical trials management and have also worked in that field doing actual trials in in cardiology in a hospital setting. But at the same time, I've also had a a family enterprise that I've been a part of. I'm a third or technically fourth generation in a family enterprise. And so I've been growing up in that environment of family business and always working there fairly regularly in the meantime. And so while I have on the ground experience in business, I never had any formal learnings in it. And I was figuring that wherever I was moving forward in my career, whether that was continuing with the family enterprise or moving into a different industry, I was feeling like the MBA was something that maybe was a logical next step for me. No, thanks, Renee. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned the family enterprise because 
a lot of uh, applicants also we work with come from family enterprise as well. And there's a bit of a concern around, is this seen as valuable work experience? And absolutely it is, especially we find with family enterprise, the conversation doesn't end at five o'clock in the office. You know, it's at home, it's at the dinner table, you're growing up with it. So it does bring, does bring different experiences um, and the mindset to that. So why don't we start then with you, Renee, on your kind of unique combination of education experience and talk a bit more about the decision to pursue the MBA. You touched on it lightly there, but maybe we can go a bit more in depth about why in that career time space, you thought now is the time to take a step away and why an MBA, given you know your background, is in biochemistry. Yeah, uh, there happened to be a confluence of events that happened uh, leading into the pandemic. I had been working in clinical trials and there had been a temporary opening for managing a, a division of the company, the family enterprise. And so that had been natural at the time. And the intention was to get back into more of the, the clinical trial setting. But then as the pandemic unfolded, I was getting into strategy and operations management and adapting at the business as things went along and really enjoying that type of work. It was challenging, but I, I liked it and felt like if I wanted to come back or formally, I guess, like really opt into a role like that, I felt like I needed some of those formal business learnings that I've missed as far as education goes. That while I have a lot of on the ground experience, I wanted to to be able to bring some hard learnings and maybe hear from out other people's experiences in business because my experience was somewhat insulated to that one enterprise or that one type of industry. And were you, when you think about MBA programs and having especially the, the formal education being in science, were you at all hesitant with the one-year program versus a two-year program? For me, no. Uh, I, I'd say I've fairly senior in my career as far as the MBA goes, not in a, a overall sense. But the one-year program was really appealing to me, being able to, it's great because it is the full time and able to step away and really reevaluate what your choices are and how you're wanting to move forward. But not so long that it's too much of a break from working and you're able to get back to things that I felt like it was a, a good length of time versus two years might have been a little too long for just where I am in my career. Okay. No, that's that's helpful to understand. Um, now, Ryan, from your side of things, coming as an environmental consultant, and then you, know, you touched on sort of the reason for the MBA, but perhaps like Renee, you can go a little bit deeper into sort of that thought process and narrowing down schools and maybe share any hesitations you might have had thinking about going into formal business programming, given your background, maybe wasn't you know a, a natural fit for it right away. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, when I uh, when you work in the environmental field, you kind of get used to a little bit lower pay, if you know what I'm saying. So one of the <laughs> things that I got used to was uh, investing. Mm. Uh, so starting in about 2017, I really got hardcore into investing, finance and economics. And then you realize that there's more to the world than penny stocks. Uh, there's geopolitics. There's, you know, how oil is going to go up or down or gold is trading. And there's so many variable levels to it. And I really got interested in it. So since about 2017, I've been trying to read different books. Exponential Age is one of my favorites. It's about how technology, society, and just the intersection between business and all of those segments come together. Uh, and then Peter Lynch books on how to how to invest, essentially. So ever since then, I kind of got the bug, I like to say. Mm -hmm. And I thought I knew more than I did. And then as I continued on my little journey... I realized that I had a lot of learning gaps 
And like I just learned recently what a DCF is because of my MBA. Oh. I just learned about like how you get a rate of return, all the stuff that you would get in the corporate world that you wouldn't get, you know, sitting at home watching YouTube. Mm-hmm. So because I had that knowledge gap and that interest bubbling, I figured it was the time to move. So for me, I chose Ivy based on recruiters. Mm-hmm. And we're talking to one of them right now. She, I met her in BC. Yeah. I got tired of my job. So I took a hiatus in September of 2022. Mm-hmm. And I went to go visit my sister down in the States. And during that point in time, all the MBAA access fairs are... Yeah. The mm-hmm. stuff were occurring in Toronto, and I just happened to not determine the good time to go down to the States. So when I got back, I said, oh, shoot. But then I realized they moved to BC. So I hopped on the next plane, went to BC, and then I just met a bunch of recruiters. I went to two or three different events in BC. I talked to every school I can think of in all of Canada and some in the States and a couple of European schools. And what I determined was that you want to go based on the recruiter because they're the ones who are picking your class. And if you have a connection with them, then that's who you want to go with. Because again, your class is 150 people. And if you're, if they're going all going through your recruiter then you're most likely going to have, you know, at least some rapport. And I mean, I didn't make a bad decision. I think I know everybody's name in my program and everyone's always willing to help you. And that was probably one of my leading factors. And again, the one year program, like Renee said, is just enough time away from my job, but not enough time away that, you know, I, I need to start making money again, you know? so <laughs> It's kind of important, right? You got some bills you've got to pay, right? Yeah. You got to start paying bills again eventually. And yeah. Yeah. So it was nice to not have that time limit burden on you as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm at a point in my time in life where internships aren't really important. Right. I rate co-op as an undergrad and I don't want to go back to that life. I just want a full-time job right away. So right. one year and no internships, I think is good enough. So it kind of depends on your background and where you're coming from. Okay. That's, that's really helpful, Ryan. And, um, and I, so I guess looking that further into a, a, maybe a concern you would have around curriculum. So obviously you became very well proficient in investments. And I think you're the, if I'd not correct, you're the president of the, is it the investing club? Or sustainability club, sustainability. sustainability okay, club. yes. So you've gotten quite involved, which is fantastic. And again, bringing forward and sharing and helping others part of that Ivy spirit we preach to have every year. Um, but I guess in terms of preparation for the program, since you got into investments, you felt more comfortable in finance. Like you said, you got really, you know, interested in that. What about courses like maybe marketing or accounting? Were those ones that you were thinking, oh, I'd be struggling with this here, and and you know, can I do it? Did you have any of those doubts in yourself? Absolutely. Even in the investing side where I had confidence in myself, I learned quickly that it might be false in some ways. But uh, that's basically why I came here, right? I I think if anyone who's listening to this wants to do an MBA and they want to change the way they're being, then they should be open to doing something new and something different and something that they're not used to doing. Because if you're doing the same thing you've always done, then I mean, why are you doing something new? If it's to progress in the line that you're already in, so be it. But if you're coming from a non-traditional background, you made a conscious effort and a conscious choice to do something different. So I think the point of the matter is get used to the fact that it's going to be different. And it did take a second and it was very difficult in the first month or so to keep up with 150 people introducing themselves, their names, their programs, their jobs, what they've done, uh, keep on top of God knows how many hours of class and schoolwork and the such. But I mean, it's meaningful at the end and it's, it's a huge panic in the beginning. I'm sure our other panelists can agree, but even after six months, it's been great. Good. Yeah, there's a, I think the Ivy 
part of the environment you have to get used to is being a little comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? That there's times of just, okay, not quite sure, but I'll just figure things out and, and we'll get through and knowing that you've got others to lean on as well, because everyone brings different experiences. So where you're stronger in and others aren't, there's a give and a take there. And that's usually the goal of what we try to, of your fellow classmates, everyone bringing different experiences. And as long as there's a willingness to help others, um, you'll all, you'll all get through that. So Maria, let's let's talk about your background. I mean, coming from Ukraine, coming from medical science, pediatrics. I mean, this is this is definitely a transition for you and a few different fronts there. Can you share with us, you know, around why you felt now was the right time for you to pursue an MBA and maybe any doubts you might have had about whether it's the one year program or an MBA in general, given your background? Sure. I think this decision came to me after having uh, several years of work experience and kind of brought me to the point where I started asking myself some questions and I couldn't find the answers. Those questions were related on like, how can I improve the operations more or how can I introduce some change in management or how should I have a talk with my director, the owner of the business? And uh, those questions were really exciting, but it was really hard to answer. And um, I was just looking for an opportunity to uh, gain that knowledge to be able to feel comfortable and uh, being able to make the change and make the improvement. And that was the right time. Um, secondly, my um, age, I think, I feel right now a grasp for uh, new changes and uh, I want to also use the knowledge that I gained in MBA, um, maybe coming back to the healthcare, because um, many years ago when I was studying and doing my residency, actually the same questions were in my mind, how I can improve the healthcare, because the things that I faced were not um, productive. There were lots of things that could be improved and they are still there. So this is kind of about my decision. And um, I did have some hesitations. Um, uh, I think uh, I I was looking into one year program specifically because I didn't want to spend more uh, doing the full time program. And uh, um, my biggest hesitation was whether I will be able to understand everything in English because English is not my first language. And uh, I when I was at school, I was not studying in English. I was studying Ukrainian. So uh, I'm glad to say that <laughs> I didn't have any problems understanding, but I did have to learn lots of terms related to the subject that I didn't know even in Ukrainian. So it's other question about learning. Mm-hmm. Um, some other concerns were whether I would be able to uh, contribute coming from non-traditional background. And it, it is also fine. I, I was able to share some, I think, really nice uh, thoughts in the classes. And um, talking about what Ryan mentioned, I kind of would say you may feel coming to the MBA with a non-traditional background is kind of your disadvantage, but it's not that. And it actually becomes your advantage because you learn the same things that your classmates learn. And then you still have this non-traditional background, which is your advantage in the end because they didn't learn that. And it's something that can... um, you can specifically apply in your career. 
I like how you pitch that. That's, that's, that's very true though. I mean, just because it's not traditional doesn't mean it's not an asset, but you're bringing in different experiences and at Ivy with contribution, it is all about sharing the way you're looking at a business problem. And so though your, you know, previous walk of life may not have been business formal, it's experiences nonetheless. And that's what you're trying to look at is like, how do I look at problems from different perspectives? How, what are other ways of looking to solve this situation? So that's very helpful, Maria. I appreciate that a lot. And when you're talking about support going through the program around certainly, like you mentioned, English as the first language and just other courses that you're unsure about. Can you share what, what does support look like at Ivy? So when you are needing help, who did you go to? What was available? Sure. Um, so I would start with my first accounting class. And I think it was our first class at all. So um, it was a case uh, and we had to answer some questions. And I was just silent because I couldn't even understand what's happening in the case. And the other people in my learning team, they were discussing it so quick. And in the end, we all discussed the case. And I felt so sad. I felt I, I couldn't contribute. But then the professor asked a question. So those who didn't, you know, contribute, what do you think? Like, what do you feel? And uh, I shared my thought that it was really difficult for me because I couldn't discuss anything. And I felt frustrated and sad. And then I received lots of support from my classmates. Uh, many of them um, shared with me that this is exactly how they felt. And this was my first support, understanding that um, it's not about your background. Like everyone is in the same boat. And even those who even know accounting, they sometimes also struggle contributing and being, you know, answering first. If it's also about the collaboration and the team, someone said something, you need to respond, so you need to be agile. Um, yeah, so then, um, yeah, I started to struggle with some subjects like accounting and um, later finance, but on every step where I felt uh, lack of knowledge and lack of understanding, I did two things. First, I was reaching out to my classmates who were kind of professional in this field. And at the time we already had a cohort chat where we shared who can help with what. And it was really helpful. I was having some sessions, one-on-one -on, -one on group sessions with my classmates who were explaining some uh, things from the classes. And then secondly, I, I spent lots of hours uh, searching information in YouTube and just Googling to be able to understand basics. It's very important, like your own work and your own preparation. If you don't know something, there is no other way but to learn it. So those two combined really helped me. But the support was really, really great from my classmates. Oh, that's that's great to hear. Ryan and uh, Renee, any any kind of similar experience there? And did you or did you ever lean on faculty to help if you were ever struggling with the with the course? You want to go first, Renee? Yeah, sure. Um, I think with the faculty part, often they'd encourage you to reach out to your classmates that you, you'd want to talk to them and they'd say, well, this is what your learning team is there for. And it, it really is like that, that core group of people around you. And in so many situations where you're struggling, of course, like the main thing is to actually ask for help. Mm -hmm. And depending on who you're asking, you can also get a guided, like there will be the informal people like your classmates, the people around you, your direct contacts who help a ton. But then if you need that extra level of help or say it's not necessarily with academics, there's very definite formal structures for help at the school too. And I think anyone who was needing it, and sometimes it was myself and sometimes it was classmates of mine, it, it's 
there for them. And I think when people are having an outset amount of of challenges in classes that there are there are more formal supports for them and that I think most people like we all have different kinds of struggles as we're getting through the program but I think we're all also pretty good at supporting each other and helping each other get through those when they're when they arise. Yeah, I I definitely agree with what both of them have said. Um, my cohort was the one that got me through it. Uh, also, YouTube and Google are definitely gems. Chat GPT came out recently too, so yep. that's helpful as well. You can definitely get a private tutor on the internet. So those combined were great. Uh, I even had like I have a pretty big example where we had a DMA class. It's about uh, basically statistics for anyone who's listening, and uh, you basically build models in Excel and then create an answer using software essentially. And I'm explaining it terribly because I barely know what it means, and that's kind of the point of the story is I did not have any experience with Excel or at risk or any of these tools that we're using in class. In fact, I downloaded Excel before I got to Ivy. So that's how much I used it. Uh, but I had two classmates, Nishant and Pranav, who actually spent about probably three hours, maybe four hours with me on a Monday when we all had the same assignment due the next day. And they just did that for the sake of explaining the case to me, explaining how to build the model to me, and then just for the sake of me presenting the next day so I can get some contribution uh, backpats from the professor. Hmm. So the Tuesday morning, I uh, finally got my model done, still didn't have the confidence to get up, and then they just egged me on. They're, so the professor said, anyone want to show their model? And of course, they were the loudest two, ending <laughs> at me. And I basically had no reason but to get up and go to it. But it turned out to be great because it gave me some confidence in my abilities to even present a model. It made me realize how much I actually did understand about what I just built and did. And then towards the exam time, a lot of people were actually using my Excel model as an as a template because it was so simple. So when you don't understand things on a complex basis, you're probably one of the best teachers because you just understand it enough to make it function. Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of the coolest things that I probably donned on is just that my simplicity of understanding is probably better for the rest of the class than people's complexity. Oh. Wow, I'm getting some really good tidbits today. There's like one-liners uh, that that are really effective. And I think that make a lot of sense and really will, I think, take away some of those concerns. You know, people have they have to be a full-on expert in everything, and you don't. But you, to write the simplicity piece, so it goes a lot a lot further. Um, on the note of, I guess, preparing for the program, Ryan, did you take any of the pre the pre Ivy courses or the PKP courses? Yeah, I did. Um, so I screwed up on my GMAT. I'll just say it out loud. <laughs> And uh, I didn't really get it done until the end of January. So by the time I completed my offer, it was first the end of the first week of February. Mm -hmm. I basically had to secure a loan, move, pack up, deal with all that fun stuff on top of PKP. So I didn't get, I, I don't think I concentrated enough on PKP. Uh, and there was a lot going on for me personally. But one thing I did find it useful for was the fact that it made me sit down and listen to somebody talk, which I hadn't done for about eight years because uh, I can't yeah. work. And at best, your meetings are what, half an hour, 20 minutes. And even if you don't pay attention, you kind of get the point. But if there's someone's teaching you accounting and you miss even some nuances, you might not understand what's happening. So the fact that it got me back into student mode was probably the best part for me. The technicalities and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm sure if I sit, sat there and was able to do the homework and all well, just like everyone else, I would have done better overall. But 
it wasn't it, it wasn't as useful to me as just honestly getting me back in student mode. Yeah, no, I, I hear that often, Ryan, where it's sometimes it's a confidence piece. Sometimes it's a right getting back into the mode of the routine of going to school again. Um, for those listening, these pre-IV courses are PKP, Preparatory Knowledge Program. They are three quant-heavy courses we offer 10 days before the program starts. They are 100% virtual. If you take all three, they're, you're essentially in class 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., but there's no grades, whatever. However you perform there, well or not, it does not follow you into the MBA, which is, I think, another important thing to, to highlight because it is just a piece to help you get your bearings, uh, especially for even those who move as our international candidates move to the city. This allows them to meet even classmates, even if it's virtual, but you're starting to have less to figure out come March because you're getting some programming under your belt. You're meeting some people you've maybe exchanged emails with. So it does make you feel a little bit more at ease, I think, for the first day. These courses aren't mandatory, but they are highly encouraged, especially for those who maybe didn't do well on their GMAT or um, from a, don't come from a quantitatively strong background because it's accounting, economics, and I think uh, quantitative analysis um, programming. So very heavy on the quant side. Uh, now, Maria or Renee, did either one of you also take any of the PKP courses? I can go first. Yeah. I didn't take any. and I. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of regret that, but I didn't have a choice. I was working just until the program started, and I just couldn't yeah. couldn't take it. And honestly, everything happened so quickly, so I came yes. right before the program started. Yes. So uh, just I will describe my first learning team assignment. Like we have classes, and then we have learning teams, uh, and we do some assignments. It was also um, DMA assignments related to regression. I didn't know what it was. Uh, I just came and I saw everyone in my learning team having some notes, uh, what it is and how they do it. I didn't even understand, you know, even how to use Excel to build it. And I felt really, really bad that uh, I can also help my team to do this uh, group assignment. And uh, I spent literally the rest of the day and I think the night reading everything about regression that I could find. So the next day I came kind of prepared, but then the next day I was reading again about some other parameters. So my point here is that if you want to have this easy transition, uh, meeting new people is one part, but also like to this knowledge that you will learn, it would definitely allow you to smoothly kind of pivot into the MBA program learning, having time to understand what is it about. And I was like feeling like on a sprint race and I definitely felt lack of time. I couldn't even unpack my stuff in the first week because I con I was continuously learning everything that I didn't learn in PKP. So I would say it's not 100% necessary, but it's definitely useful. But if you feel you can learn, you're like a great self-learner, you know how to access resources, uh, I would just advise you maybe to connect with someone who is doing PKP and at least ask them about the topics that they are, like general topics that they are discussing so you can learn yourself. And then later you'll kind of make this transition and understand what's going on. <laughs> Renette, how about you? Yeah. Um, I guess building on both of Maria and Ryan's comments that I did take PKP, I took all the classes and think just reflecting back what they were saying, the top three things you get from it is yes, just like Ryan said, getting back into the class mode and getting into the, the pace of learning. 
was really useful. And I think that helped a lot, especially transitioning. I worked almost right until the last day. And so then having those two weeks of PKP was a nice reset before getting into the the school routine. And then, so it almost made the the daily five hours of class seem not that bad after the eight hours of PKP. (laughs) And then the next thing would be that, yeah, feeling like you... I don't think you felt like you had your feet under you per se by taking PKP, but I felt less behind than if I hadn't that just the, the very quick fast learnings that you get were really useful. If you didn't have that formal quant background, um, as Maria was saying with the regressions or some of the accounting terms that it just helped to make it so that it wasn't the first time you were seeing things in class. So you close that gap a little before starting school instead of also having to do sort of these secondary learnings to catch yourself up during the time where I think it's just seeming like the most overwhelming. And the last thing is just being able to get some introductions out of the way and have some familiar faces. So then when you when you start on day one, there are your classmates you become somewhat familiar with in PKP, as well as a few of the professors, which was really nice when you started class seeing familiar faces on that side and understanding a bit more about their teaching style, I found was really helpful. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah, well captured there. I think you've highlighted a lot of the key things for considering PKP for sure. And we recognize it's extra costs to PKP as well. So it's not always you know available, I guess, a, an option for everyone. So that's okay. Obviously, from someone mm-hmm. like Maria who didn't do it, she's doing well. So you definitely don't have to do it. It just means maybe just approaching some of the programming early on a little bit differently. Um, so before we wrap up, I would love for each of you to share maybe any final thoughts or advice for those, you know, coming from these non-traditional backgrounds consider an MBA program, maybe you want to um, debunk a myth or a concern, um, you know, really reinforce that you can do it. Um, You've all shared some really helpful perspectives and insights today. Um, But if there's anything, final words, we'd love to leave our audience with that. Love you to share. Who's going to volunteer to go first? Sorry. (laughs) Maria, you want to go first? No, no, I want you to go first. Okay. So my first advice would be prepared to work hard like do everything that you planned before going to MBA just prepare to work hard and study it will like my advice study hard uh, in the beginning then it will be much easier for you then but if you miss this you will say oh I will do it later then you will probably will find it hard to catch up so uh, study everything that you can be very open to what people say and also, uh, don't hesitate building any relationship with the classmates, like asking them for help. Everyone is very open and just look who has which background so you can better tailor your questions to those who have this background and don't be afraid. Uh, don't feel that you are, um, you don't have the knowledge. It's, it's wrong. You definitely do. And your knowledge is very powerful. Uh, I would say you can draw much more interesting insights from your non-traditional background. That's going to be hard to follow, but it's okay. I know I've trusted you, Renee and Ryan, to uh, to follow that as well as you captured it. Yeah, I'll let Ryan close it out, so I'll go now. Um, <laughs> I, I would say definitely don't hesitate to consider the program because of your non-traditional background. We've touched on it before, but I do think it is a strength being able to look at problems differently. And especially, like, I think that's how you can come up with innovative solutions when someone has 
a different way of looking at things. And it's often really valuable in a, in a team setting to even just to have a question asked that might not have been asked before, you could end up going the same way, but just having that extra consideration for a different perspective is really important. And I think all companies are facing that type of decision now when they're considering stakeholders and things that making sure those extra questions are being considered at least in business decisions. So that's, I think, important value added to the class and that don't don't rule yourself out because of that different perspective. And then uh, just from a non-traditional background as well, you might think that no one else has been in the program with a similar background, but I found when I was applying, Lindsay uh, talked, had given me a couple of other students' names that I could reach out to, and I, I did. And again, like that, the Ivy Network that you hear about was there, and I had really great conversations with people who were from similar but not exactly the same backgrounds. And those concerns I had about, will my contribution be of value, were all um, smoothed out by having those conversations ahead of time with, with alumni who had similar but not the same backgrounds. So that was that I found was really helpful. So just ask if you're wondering like about those hesitations because I'm sure there will be someone who who's got similar concerns. Yeah, pretty much uh, what they both said essentially. Uh, I think we focus a lot on the education side of the program and obviously that's huge, but we also need to acknowledge that there's a lot of social side and a lot of networking and businesses about the connections and that kind of stuff. So having a non-traditional background kind of makes you a little bit more interesting. I'm sorry, hot take there. <laughs> but when people ask you what you did and you have something that's weird or different, you're almost memorable in a way. And you know, I became the sustainability guy mostly by force because I'm one of the only ones in the environmental field. And as soon as I said I was environmental, everyone would point at me if some case came up about sustainability. And honestly, a lot of people value your opinion as well, too. So it kind of gives you some confidence in yourself and your abilities and what you know. So don't be afraid if you don't have a non-traditional background. We've done medical cases. We've done a case on welding. You know, if you're in the trades and you know how to weld, you're already ahead of the curve on that one case. So like every light bulb has their space to shine, so to speak. So don't be afraid of it and just jump in and don't regret anything. Oh, that's great. Another one liner here for Ivy. Every light bulb has a space to shine. Uh, love that. Uh, thanks so much. Honestly, Ryan, Maria, Renee, you've really shed some, some light. <laughs> Got to keep the light bulb pun going, but uh, really into the program experience, especially coming from these non-typical, non-traditional backgrounds. It really is a common concern we hear and we get it. You know, pursuing an MBA is a very big decision. It takes lots of time to figure things out. And it's easy to be a bit insecure. It's easy to select yourself out of the process if you think that your profile really isn't the fit. So I really do appreciate you sharing your insights. To our, our audience today, I hope you also feel the same way, that you feel a little bit more um, confident with pursuing the Ivy MBA especially if you come from a non-traditional background, please do engage with our team. Um, our, our admissions and recruitment team are here to help you along the journey. We're here to answer questions. Make sure you feel comfortable and confident with considering Ivy for your MBA experience. So if you have not yet already, please submit the resume for an assessment and we'd be happy to get in touch and support you from there. But thanks again for tuning in, everyone.